Key point number three is this. Your character is a work in progress to become more like Christ. Let's look at verses 9 through 11. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock. And then we come to the end of not only the chapter, the end of the book. Isn't that fascinating? I mean, think about the, the end of, of this particular chapter and the end of the book. Here we're left with a question. In fact, as, as we look at this, I don't want us to miss this. This is the fourth theme of the gospel. Even though we experience the redemption of God, as Jonah did, and as the people of Nineveh did, he is still restoring us. He is still at work doing something within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us to help us to become more Christ-like. And part of that process is a continual examination of our own heart. You know, anger that is misplaced feeds the ego and it produces the poison of selfishness in the heart. Jonah has had misplaced anger from chapter one. In chapter three, Jonah surrendered his will to the Lord and he went to Nineveh to preach, but his heart was not in it. He did the will of God, but he didn't operate it from, from his heart. In fact, most of the anger that people experience is rooted in their own selfishness. There is a good anger uh, in contrast. There is a good anger. In fact, it even has a name. It's called righteous indignation. It means that the things that anger us are not rooted in ourselves. Rather, it is the reaction to the mistreatment of others. It's often a sense of injustice. Uh, you know, for example, I'm angered when I hear of things like child abuse or rape or spousal abuse. Those things anger me. Those things frustrate me. Several years ago, back when Carson was still in high school, I had an opportunity. I was coming to the high school to, to pick him up. And, and as I was sitting there, there was a friend with me as well. And we were sitting in the car. We were waiting on Carson to come out uh, from the high school and uh, right in front of the high school, Mooresville High School, there's a, uh, one of the main roads. And, you know, the traffic there, it's, I mean, you know, you, people, most people, especially if you live in the area, you know that there's a high school, a lot of students. And there's signs for traffic to slow down because it's a school zone. And on this particular day, I'm watching a couple of high school students that were crossing the road. And one of those high school students was on crutches. And obviously being on crutches as they're crossing the road, they're not, they're not running. They're not going rather quickly. Uh, so he's, he's going a slow pace. His friend is kind of helping him with his books and so forth. But I noticed that there was a car coming and he really wasn't slowing down very well for the, the fact that it's a school zone. And as he approached, he actually clipped, uh, the, the, the backside of the student and his shoe and his, 
uh, in his crutches. And I just was flabbergasted at the fact that this, this guy actually just hit a pedestrian. And so being someone who witnessed this, I, uh, as well as my friend, I, I was just kind of surprised at, at to, to witness the whole thing. And then I, I was trying to see if the man was going to to drive away or if he was what what he was going to do after that situation. I was prepared to follow him and get his get his information uh, if I needed to and explain to Carson, you know, that I had to leave real quick, come back and pick him up later. Uh, but I, I noticed then that he pulls off to the side and he comes up and he walks out and he and he comes up to where the two high school students are, the the driver of the vehicle. And my immediate thought was, okay, he's, he has come to apologize and he's going to check on him. And that's not what happened. In fact, when this guy gets up and he approaches these two teenagers, instead of apologizing, he starts yelling at them. And he starts uh, yelling at them for, uh, for crossing the street where they did. And at this point, yeah, my, my own righteous indignation kicked in, right? I'm watching this unfold, and I'm watching these two teenagers uh, get yelled at by a grown adult man, uh, middle-aged at that. Not, you know, this is a grown man that should have known better than to be flying through a school zone to begin with. It was at this point when I could see that he was, he was yelling at the teenagers that uh, I, I had to get involved. And so I went over to, to the man and I said, listen, I saw this whole thing. You, you were going an excessive amount of speed through here. And he said, well, I just live you know, around the corner. And he said, and I said, whoa, you, you live nearby here? And he said, yeah, I'd live just around the corner. And I said, then you should know this is a school zone. And you should have known that this was the time when students are being dismissed. And you should have known that you should have cl- slowed down during this in in this area and i said you're the adult and you're yelling at these teenagers you're yelling at them for not crossing at the crosswalk and you should have been you're the adult in this situation you were the one that should have slowed down and so i'm i'm really angered i'm really frustrated with guy eventually the police got there they settled the whole thing i stepped away but here's the thing we have to examine our hearts and ask ourselves sometimes what is it that angers us Because there is a good anger. There can be times where things frustrate us with righteous indignation. And even those things should reveal the character of God. It should be the things that, that would even make God angry. So when we examine our hearts and ask ourselves this question, the same question that God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? And the answer for Jonah was no. No, he should not have been angry. It says in James chapter 1, verses 19 and 20, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath or anger, for the wrath or anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man. Jonah was angry. He had the anger of man. He didn't have the anger of God. He didn't have righteous indignation. He had anger that was self-interested, that was selfish-focused. Jonah was angry, and he had pity on a vine that perished. 
that he didn't have compassion and pity for the people of Nineveh who would have perished and lived eternally apart from God. Is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry? A great question as we examine our hearts. When we're angry about something, ask ourselves this question. Is what I'm angry about, the anger of man, something selfish? Or is this something that would anger God? Is this righteous indignation? If Jonah can bring an entire city, consider this. If Jonah can bring an entire city of 120,000 people to faith in the Lord, and he didn't even love the people, I mean, he didn't go there out of, out of his love and compassion for the people of Nineveh. But if Jonah can bring an entire city of 120,000 people to faith in the Lord, and he didn't even love them, I want you to imagine what God could do through a church in reaching people that we actually do love. Imagine how, how we can make an impact in the Lake Norman community because we actually do love this community. We actually do love the people here. And because we love the people here, love the people in this community, imagine what God could do through a church in reaching people that we actually love. So here's what we have to ask ourselves. Do you have some misplaced anger in your heart? Do you have some misplaced anger in your heart? If so, we have two responses. We can have the, the bad attitude of Jonah. Yeah, it's right for me to be angry, even unto death. And we know that this was a bad attitude. It's wrong for anyone to have this type of misplaced anger. Or we can have the attitude of David. David wrote these words in Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And the book of Jonah then ends with a question from God to Jonah. Look at it again. It says, but the Lord said, you have pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand or the, and their left and much livestock? At first, you might wonder, well, how did Jonah answer, right? But God, the author of Scripture, is not concerned with Jonah's answer, at least uh, not immediately uh, for, for our concern. What is he really concerned with? In this text, in this passage, the book itself, God, the author of Scripture, is more concerned with your answer. How would you answer? How would you answer that question? How would I answer that question? I think that as, as we read that book and we finish with that question, the fact that it's left unanswered by Jonah is the author's way or God's way of saying, I want you to answer this question. We can't answer for Jonah, but what can we do? We can answer for ourselves. We are left to grapple with these questions. Is it right for me to be angry? Do I have misplaced anger that's, that's feeding my own ego, my own pride or selfishness? 
Have I become so consumed with my own reputation that I have lost pity on a lost community? These are questions. These are not questions for Jonah. These are questions for us. One last thought, then we'll pray. Search our hearts, O Lord, and let us to remember that souls are more important than our own shade.